Middle of the Pack. Real discussions for the middle of the pack by the middle of the pack. We'll talk about training and racing, but we're here to deep dive into the life topics of the weekend warriors and obstacle course racing enthusiasts. Obstacle course racing isn't just a sport, it's a lifestyle. We are the middle of the pack. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Middle of the Pack Podcast. We are back with episode 16, and we are prepping for probably one of the most exciting weeks of the OCR calendar. We are prepping for not just one championship, but two. We are looking at OCR World Championships and Spartan Tahoe, which is their National Series World Championships. I am here with my co-host, as always. It's the North American Championship. Well, we have to clarify... Because this isn't just the U.S. National Series. This is for all of North America. So, like, Canada, Mexico, you can come in as well, I think. I don't know the actual border guidelines. But this is the race for them to determine if they are the champion as well. And as you can hear, I'm here with Megan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm also here with Corey. Say hi, Corey. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Awesome. So, as they said, we're going to be prepping for OCR World Championships and the Spartan North American Championship, to better clarify now. So, each of us have dabbled, well, actually, Megan has run Tahoe and OCR World Champs. I have run Tahoe and North American Championships. NORAM Championship. ran NORAM, too. Yeah, yeah, which is basically same as probably OCR world champs this year, but different flavor. Um, but yeah, we wanted to kind of just go over for a lot of racers this year that maybe they're heading to either venue for the first time and kind of break down what they should expect and probably what they should look for at each race. Yeah. So I don't even know where we want to start with this. I think we should start with Tahoe. What about Tahoe? Um, I ran Tahoe in 2018 and 2019. In 2018, I registered 14.1 miles with 4,600 feet of elevation. And in 2019, they took the entire course and flipped it backwards. Um, and I got 14.3 miles. I somehow managed to get 8,881 feet of elevation. I do not think that is accurate. I think that is a big old Garmin doesn't like water. And it messed up my elevation gain. That's a strong possibility. I've only run Tahoe once, and that was, I believe, when they first did it in 20, 2015, I think, 2016, whenever it was. I don't know which years are there anymore. I don't have any Garmin data to show for it, because that's before I started running, I think, with a Garmin. But I ran it when we we had to do the small hill first, and then they sent us all the way to the peak up top and then straight back down actually we once we got all their elevation they just sent us all the way back down the hill as tahoe usually is built well that's the beautiful thing about tahoe is they literally can only go a couple of different ways and um it's either we start on the little hill or we start on the big hill um you're always going to have the swim right smack dab in the middle so either you are getting wet at mile five or you are getting wet at mile like nine. And either way, you are going to be fucking miserable for the rest of the race. I think the uh, the main thing everyone knows Tahoe for is its swim, because every year it's been 
height of contention and usually the downfall of most racers. That being said, most it's usually the people who have a problem are either they were ill-prepared in the uh, back half of the elite and age groups or the open waivers. Um, I wouldn't even say back half of them because I saw a lot of pro women in 2019 dropping and they were like earlier pro women. And it was all just because of course design. And I mean, they started us so late on the day because of the storms and because of the temperatures. And then they're like, eh, we're going to put you into ape hanger. And then from ape hanger, they put us onto that double sandbag carry. And I'm Charles, do you remember that double sandbag carry loop? Um, I, we've done it on the bucket. We've done it with the sandbag. But it's like this straight downhill, straight back uphill between that little plot, like plateau and the swim or swim and then plateau. But um, it's. I don't think we had it when I did it. We didn't have it there. Okay. It. Yeah. Um, I know that it's one of the quintessential carry hills, but it is very steep, straight downhill. It's a nice big loop. Um, they put us into the ape hanger and all of in 2019, you had to get into the water to do the ape hanger. You couldn't jump. And then once you rang the bell, you had to jump back into the water. So regardless, you are jumping from a height or dropping from a height into water. So you were going to get submerged. So I saw a lot of pro females get fully submerged and then they had to take their double sandbag down this steep hill down and back up in horrendous winds and then they went to the swim and a lot of them didn't even make it to the swim i just remembered which section you're talking about when i did it that was a log carry i know i know which okay because I, yeah. I remember yeah it's always the, a carry of the, some sort yeah i remember from when i went through um the first day which was the championship heats on saturday did the swim. I mean, it was freezing cold, but I, I'm not deterred by cold water. I just kind of get in and it's kind of relaxing for me. But I know the second day we had really high winds and that's when they actually started letting people burpee out. And I think it was something like, I want to say it was 60 burpees, but it might have been more because we were there for a while doing burpees because it was freezing cold with high winds on the second day. Yeah, they stopped with that a few years back. So now... If you are in a competitive wave, you have to do the swim. So in 2018, it was about 30-ish degrees or so at the start line. And I waited until the last possible second to strip down because I knew if I was going to be facing that swim, I needed to go in in as little clothes as possible. So I had my long sleeve shirt wrapped up in a dry bag in my bag, um, like on my belt. And there was no way I was going to be able to put that shirt in in time for the swim with how tightly it was packed and everything else. So I just started with it in there and I ran those first four miles in a sports bra and shorts. And I got into the swim. It was a hella long swim. But when I got out, I dried off super quick and I was able to throw my shirt on and get down the mountain pretty fast. and. Despite the temperature differences, like at the top of the mountain, it's always really windy. It's always pretty cold. But by the time we were descending, 
it warmed up really fast and I actually had to um, take that long sleeve shirt off again because I was just overheating. So my when I think about that Tahoe swim, the one thing I always tell everybody is go in in as little clothes as possible. Pack something in your dry bag. Um, I know standing at the start line when it's freezing cold and you're naked sucks, but it sucks a lot less getting out of the swim and you're almost naked than if you are getting out of the swim in full cold gear, but now you are holding on to that water for the entire race. And as soon as that wind hits you on wet skin, you are going to get hypothermia and you're going to end up tapping out. And, um, yeah, that happened a lot in 2019 as well. Oh, yeah. I think every year that th that swim has taken out a good amount of people. And it's also really interesting because every year the same discussion happens where people online are like, why are we still doing the swim? And it's like, at this point, it's been there every year. You would think people would learn at this point, like, you're getting in that fucking cold water and Spartan's not changing. Like, that's the one thing I do give Spartan credit on. They're not changing that course. They're sticking to their guns on that thing. Um, because it's a different ma difference maker. And I hate that we're starting off this conversation by talking about the swim. Because when we talk about the swim, this is where I come back with, you know, I'm done with Tahoe. I don't see a purpose in going back and running Tahoe. Even if it wasn't on OCRWC weekend, I said after 2019, I don't need to go back. I've never DNF'd there. and. I don't want to ever DNF there. I managed to make it to the finish line each time, but I don't think hypothermia should be an obstacle, and I don't see a point in continuing to get into that swim and running that mountain, knowing full well that the lake is, or the little pond, whatever, it's always going to be wicked cold. You're always going to have harsh winds. You're always going to have cooler temperatures. I don't see a purpose in it, and that's just not what I am looking to do with racing. But at the end of the day, like, I give Spartan some major props for Tahoe because it is a gorgeous venue, and it is one of the most brutal ass-kicking courses you can run for Spartan. Oh, yeah. That's, like, that's my main tip for everybody who's like, do I want to do Tahoe? And I'm like, do you want to have a really, like, good it's a gorgeous course like the view of the view on course is very hard to beat unless it's completely overcast but also it's a really good this is a solid vacation race especially for people on the east coast like if you want to have a go have a nice like peaceful vacation go run tahoe i mean it's a gorgeous course and then if you're looking for a challenging course tahoe i mean like you described tahoe basically has two different environments like in the valley on the bottom it's going to be mostly warm uh for the time but once you up on the top layer it is going to be cold it's going to have high winds uh and then yeah add the swim on top of it it's going to be a little bit more colder but it is a super challenging course it's why the uh their ultra is probably number two in difficulty i would say behind killington and it's because of the environment it's in and they've rarely had good weather for the ultra <laughs> it's almost always been some form of storm one year they it snowed out one year and i know i had two friends running the ultra that year and they got pulled off course because of the snow it's a shame that it's on the weekend that it is because it's contending with ocr world champs so a lot of people on the east coast are gonna pick pick the uh, ocr world champs and we'll get in 
to the other reasons why for that uh, shortly. But the uh, Tahoe really does deserve its credit. And it is a bummer that it is being held on the same weekend as the North American Series uh, championship race, because that would be a fun event to go to because it does host a nice venue like Squaw Valley's venue with the uh, resorts and hotels right there and in the shops. And the fact that now they run the championship race through that area so spectators can see it. Because when we did it the first year, we didn't run through the concourse. It was the first year they finally put obstacles like near us. So they literally had us go up and down so people could watch. It, it, it made like the first time that you could actually have like, it felt like OCR was a sport because people like people just came and watched just because. Okay, you are going off and I am going to backtrack you because you were talking about how it's a shame that it is on the exact same weekend as OCRWC. And I think people need to actually, I think we need to point out that Tahoe is always on the exact same weekend. It is always the last September um, weekend. Every single year, this is contractual with um, Squaw Valley and Spartan. So Tahoe being on OCRWC weekend is in no way Spartan's fault. I was talking to somebody and they're like, well, it's Spartan's fault. Spartan knew. It's like, well, but no, this has always historically been on this weekend. So I think it contracts just worked out that way. So I'm not going to blame OCRWC or Spartan for them being put on the exact same weekend. But it does bring in an interesting um, choice for people to make. How do you decide between Spartan and OCRWC? And I think ultimately it comes down to, and when I say this, I know I'm going to get a lot of heat because that is, but um, I remember when I first went to my first OCRWC in 2017, one big thing that stuck out at the start line was everybody saying Spartans don't do well at obstacle course racing world championships. If you are running OCRWC, you are an obstacle course racer, you are trained for obstacles. If you are only running Spartan, you're unfortunately not going to do well at OCRWC. So Spartans are going to go to Tahoe, where obstacle course racers are going to go to OCRWC. Now they're, you know, we can say Spartans can do well at OCRWC, but if you are only focused on a one and done in an obstacle, you might not do as well. If you're not used to multiple attempts, if you're not used to the ninja style of obstacles, if you're only used to very structured, oh, we're going to see a monkey bar, we're going to see a twister, we're going to see the box. If you're used to only Spartan obstacles, you're not going to um, perform quite as well. And again, there's the exception to all of those rules. But uh, I think that is a big reason why we wanted to have this episode the way we are, because it is it was a big choice for a lot of obstacle course racers at least in the U.S., maybe Canada, Mexico as well. But um, we all had to make that choice of are we going to run Tahoe or are we going to run OCRWC? Yeah, and the even more interesting choice that it'll come down to, especially we won't know until the, we're at the start line with them, are where a lot of pros end up selecting to go at this point. Because since it is the National Series Championship for, I mean, both of them, both there's prize money at both, so I think that'll be another interesting 
factor which pros go where in determining of uh how they want to win basically so what i told one of my friends who is starting to get into the sport and is doing fairly well they wanted to know should i go to ocrwc or should i go to tahoe and i told them this person in particular would do really well in cold water said your body is conditioned for cold water you are running really well in the Spartan circuit. We don't know if there's going to be a Spartan pro team next year, but if you are looking to go for a, sport, a Spartan pro team contract and you're most accustomed to Spartan, by all means, go to Tahoe. If you are um, looking for harder obstacles, you want that title of obstacle course racing champion, um, you don't care as much about how much prize money, but you want that serious competition, go to OCRWC. I think OCRWC for this sport is going to put you on a bigger pedestal than a Spartan North American Championship would. But Spartan North American Championship does offer more prize money. And ultimately, you could get more from like a Spartan sponsorship endorsement stuff. But I think OCRWC is the place where the serious obstacle course racers, not just Spartans, are going to go. I do think we will see a lot of West Coast pros opting for Tahoe, though. Strategy-wise, it would make sense to go out to Tahoe. Um, it would really determine where some of the big dogs go. Basically, Atkins and Webster, I think, is the They're going to go to Stratton. No, they're going to Stratton. They've already said they're going to Stratton. Mm -hmm. Oh. Plus, they are, they live literally I know, three right, hours right north of in... the border in Quebec. Yeah. With Stratton, what can we really expect? So they're, they've already said for the 3K, we're looking at 1.94 miles with 690 feet of elevation and 9.38 miles with 4,094 feet of elevation on the 15K. So we, we're going to be doing some climbing here. So we're going to get arguably more climbing in a, or the same amount of climbing as we would in Tahoe, but in a lot shorter of distance. So at Stratton, we're looking at much more technical terrain in terms of just the forestry and everything else. Tahoe is very runnable for a mountain. Um, it's just a lot of climbing. Yeah, but Stratton is going to be Really steep ascents and descents, depending on where they run us, we could be through some more single track work that we wouldn't see in Tahoe. We'd end up seeing single track. Uh, we'd see single track, I think, mostly on the 15K, like the back half of that, I think is where we'd see it. But everywhere else, 3K is going to be pretty wide open. Same with the team. So the biggest thing it's going to come down to on the um, at OCRWC, though, is really with the obstacles. It's Spartan. We already know what we're going to see. You're going to see the swim. You're going to see the ape hanger. At most, they could get a little creative and give you a five-segment monkey twister monkey or monkey in the middle, but they're not changing up anything. Whereas in Stratton, you are about to get the most technical obstacles we've seen in this sport. Guys, from what we've already been seeing, what can you tell me about the obstacles that are going to be out there? So far, based on the videos they've given us and reading the map, we have a lot of obstacles that'll really rely on, I would almost say, 
just the way they're displaying them is a lot of speed on these things. Like they don't look too over the top that they're going to be too hard to do. It's just going to be how efficient are you getting through this obstacle? I think is the real main uh, question we're going to see out of these, especially like the one they, I mean, the one they introduced, which is a brand new obstacle. They introduced LCD, which has two options to go through. You can either traverse it, which seems to be the quicker one, or you can try and six foot lache. What was it? Two or three times. Um, I think it was four bars that you lache across. So maybe three. I'll be totally honest. Lashing is not going to happen for a good chunk of people in that because the amount of people that it'll take to do a six foot lache in the time, people are just going to start traversing that thing, I would think, unless they do separate lanes like they do a traverse. I think it's only going to be five foot lachets, but no, you're right. If you have one person who's trying to traverse it and you have one person trying to lache it, you can't have them going at the exact same time. I think there would need to be two separate lanes. But also, in a uh, unless you are a boss at lacheing, like you're guaranteed you're gonna nail it every time. I don't know if I'd try lacheing on a brand new obstacle in competition. I don't know, Corey. Are you about to lache this obstacle? Absolutely. As soon as I saw the two different options and saw how he was kind of swinging on each bar, I was like, eh, there's, it's easier to do if you just kind of get the good swing and just link them together. But you know, like you said. If you're not really training for the lache consistently, I mean, there's too many variables. The bars could be wet. There could be other people in your lane. So it's going to be like, it's going to have to be like an, like an optimal time to go hop, hop, hop to get across it effectively without having to do the original down across way. I would see the, uh, the one person I pictured when I say all the the only person I pictured possibly doing it would be someone like VJ because he'll be, if he's running it, because he's been kind of absent at certain races, I'm assuming he's going to be there, because he's quick and he's long. So I would figure, but if he's facing Atkins, he's going to probably do the safe route and just, like, scurry across it. Oh, no. No, I see Jay, um, I see VJ completely lacheing. But honestly, I'm, I care a little bit less about what the pros are doing. Um, I do think there is going to be a good amount of people that attempt that lache. I mean, look at what Savage has been doing on their rigs. They're introducing lacheing. So there is more of that skill within the sport. I think this is once again going to separate the Spartans from the obstacle course racers. You're not going to get somebody who's primarily running a Spartan race stepping up to that and saying, oh, let me try to lache this. And again, there's an exception to every to this all. But for the most part, you're not seeing people lacheing at a Spartan race. Yeah, there's there's been no case unless you decide to do monkey bars that way, which I mean, you could. Lacheed um, to the bell on wet monkey bars before at a Spartan race. I mean, I skipped over, I think, like two or three bars because I could tell my hands were going to go, but my swing was still there. So fuck it. Might as well jump for it. Just based on, like, the other obstacles they've shown, like, I mean, we've seen on the map, the ones they've only shown, they've only shown a few. So far, they've only shown us the new Skull Valley, um, which, I mean, it is what it is. It's nothing different than we've seen. It's not, it doesn't look as hard as Indian Mudrun Skull Valley. Nothing is as hard as Indian Mudrun Skull Valley. I know. So this one is, I mean, it looks like it's, going to be pretty pretty doable and then uh just make sure you hit the bell learn from my mistakes hit that bell clearly 
And then uh, the low rig, uh, it looks about the same from 2019 in Stratton. It looks about the same, and the uh, yeah, there don't look it doesn't look too over the top yet. But we also haven't seen a lot of their other stuff. They have obstacles on there that um, we could see what they end up doing with Urban Sky. Are they going to put it back to like 2018 where it was three different sections, or are they going to keep it like 2019 where it was one when it was just basically a bunch of wheels? Yeah, we are still kind of like in the dark on some of these obstacles, but it is good to see that we're getting the return of like Valkyrie still coming back. Legaf is still there, which is a mainstay. And so is the Force 5 rig, but we don't know if that's going to be any different from 2018 and 19 because it was the same uh, those years as well. Yeah, um, I they are doing a really great job in showing us some more of the obstacles. And I did listen to one of the other podcasts where they talked about what to expect on a lot of these obstacles. So just like going through the 15K map, we know what hurdles are. We know what six foot wall is. We know what a ramp wall is. We know what trapeze is. That's just those monkey bars. But instead of a monkey bar, it's uh, the floating bars. High low is going to be just some kind of you go high, you go low, over, under, whatever. Um, Snake Pit, we have seen at OCRWC before in 2019. Um, I mean, we've got, what, 40 obstacles now. Um, there have been some that they have shown. So we just saw a picture from Sid. It looks like sketches on the Platinum Rig, and that's going to be a two-segment sketch. So with that, you know, you want to hold your lock off as much as you can. Ride it down as soon as you can get one hook over to the other side. Just ride on one hook to the bell. Um, you're going to have... So it's like the 2019 NORAM, or 2018 NORAM. They only had a two-section. So what other obstacles can we really expect people to get um, tripped up on? Corey, I know you run a lot of non-Spartans. You race local... You, you know, you race savages. What have you seen coming out from OCRWC that um, you're really excited about? Honestly, all of them, because you guys are naming these obstacles and like I can't put a picture to the name. So it's like a couple of them. I'm like, OK, I know I've seen that, you know, Indian Mud Run. I've seen the Skull Valley. Um, but a lot of these, this is be the first time seeing the majority of these obstacles. Um, but they are all technical obstacles. Um, I, yeah, I don't run Spartans just because it's, you know, there's not really a technical piece there. Um, but I'm most probably, honestly, most excited just the technical aspect of it. So you've got race ready obstacle coming and bringing their Kraken, uh, which is a big, going to confuse a lot of people. Um, it's just the ingenuity behind the different levels of obstacles that they're going to be bringing to worlds that I've never seen. So that's usually how I go into most races. I just kind of show up. I don't care about the course map. I don't care about the names. I just figure it out when I get to it. So you mentioned Kraken. That's this is one race that we probably should talk about a little bit more because we haven't seen it yet here in the U.S. Um, so Kraken is going to be on the 100 meter course. I know that they did the 100-meter course in OCRWC in London in 2019. But, guys, what exactly can we expect from this race? We don't really know a lot about what they're doing yet. Yeah, it seems, just looking at the map, they also have a lot of obstacles that are, a couple times, they just have called technical rig. And it seems like they're probably going to put it together 
when they when they're currently building course right now as we speak. Yeah, but that's on the 15k. We don't even know what's going to be on the 100 meter. Yeah, so I haven't seen anything in the 100 meters at, at all, and that's the one thing I'm most excited about. It's a quick run through, but I haven't seen anything on it. Right. So I was listening to the podcast um, from ORM, and they said that they're going to have a version of Stairway to Heaven on the 100 meter, and then I saw from Race Ready Obstacles they're going to put their Kraken on that 100 meter course. Then I'm excited. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people are probably going to be because it looks like Devil Steps isn't on the other two maps at all. No, it's not. Which has Noram. That's been a point of contention the past couple of years because it has there. There are that is an obstacle that very much certain people have advantages, certain people have disadvantages on that obstacle. In 2019, they also OCRWC as well. And that, uh, yeah, I guess I'm speaking from my experience. And then also they've changed the rules on it a couple times. Some of them during race weekend. There's probably a lot of people who have a like, huge sigh of relief that that might only be on the 100 meter race because that thing tears up people. Uh, Kraken, I'm I'm happy I'm only running the 100 meter open because I didn't feel like signing up for pro. So Kraken, I I've used something similar to that, and yeah, that's tricky. Um, that's going to be interesting to see how many, how many people that, that gets, but it's in the, it's in the hundred meters. So it's not on too many people's radar really. Um, unless you're really gearing and specializing for that short course. I, I guess it would be based on what obstacles are going to be down. Cause I'm assuming the hundred meters is going to be down near festival. So yeah, that's going to be in the festival area. Yeah, it's going to be based on what's going to be close by there, but... Well, they're not going to put any obstacles on the 100 meter that's on the 15K I or just, the 3K. As I said that, I was like, they, I was realizing like they're running it at the same time, so... Yeah, because they're doing a head-to-head for the 100 meter, so they're going to have two lanes of the obstacles. They don't want any any kind of bottlenecking or anything else. It is literally time trials. That's going to be an interesting format. That's going to be really fun to do. Um... I do like the idea of like short course racing, especially that short and that fast. I think it'll be geared definitely more towards a lot of people who do actually run ninja courses. Oh yeah, it's 100% ninja. But yeah, I haven't thought too much about what's going to be on the 100 meter, honestly. Yeah, I, all I heard was Stairway and Kraken were definitely going to be on it. Um, and then we'll see. I was actually watching a video today from London and it started with like an over, under, over, under to a slip wall. Um, and it, there wasn't very many technical, technical obstacles on it, which made me a little sad. So hearing that they're going to have a stairway and they're going to have, um, Kraken definitely excites me. Yeah. For me, a hundred meter, cause this is technically my first OCR world champs. I mean, I've been to Stratton twice, but I'm doing all the races for this weekend. So the hundred meter for me was just another medal for the weekend <laughs> and it was uh i don't think you get affordable. a medal for the 100 meter do you not you don't get one you have to no you have to make it to the semis the next round to be able to get the medal so yeah why did i even sign up i don't know i mean it'll be a fun experience um, for yeah, the experience. Be fun experience yeah they're really trying to create more of a spectator sport in obstacle course racing and that's where 100 meters coming in yeah Speaking on spectator sport, we are still, they're still moving forward with the Red Bull on this, aren't they? I believe so. 
I haven't heard much from it in a while. They haven't posted anything about Red Bull in a really long time. If they're if this is still going to be part of Red Bull, and I think they were filming it for Red Bull TV, or am I just making things up? I don't know. It's been a hot minute since they talked about that. We had definitely heard that it was going to be a thing, but I haven't heard them mention it. Um, if it is, I mean, this is going to be a huge turning point for the sport in general. We'll see. You'd think that there would be a lot more like Red Bull presents OCRWC or something of that nature. Um, and I haven't seen anything that said Red Bull in their promos in a while. And looking at Red Bull's Instagram, I'm not seeing anything about obstacle course racing. So I don't know. I mean, I just saw something the other day about how Riverbend CBD is the CBD of OCRWC. But then earlier this year, Venga CBD was OCRWC's CBD. So, like, I don't know how quickly they're turning over their sponsors. But that is beside the point. So, Corey, as somebody who has not ran uh, NORAM or OCRWC, what are you most looking forward to this weekend? Uh, for me, honestly, obstacle course racing, it's literally just, it's, it's the obstacles. It's the being able to push myself. Um, but it's honestly just the experience about going to these different venues, um, just being able to build those connections with people literally from all over the place. Uh, for myself like I do ninja so that's when we're talking about the 100 meter like I'm so ready for it so I can do obstacles all the time but you don't always get to interact with you know your friends and you know your teammates in this type of environment so I'm honestly just looking more towards being able to see everybody after what almost a year and a half of not being able to do that for the most part so I'm just getting back out there and just intermingling with everybody and getting those hints, those tips, those tricks from everybody. Cause that's what the sport is. That's what we're trying to do. I definitely described uh, to my friend the other day, cause I was, I there was looking at like a chance I wasn't gonna be able to make it to OCR world champs. Um, but, and I was bummed about it because OCR world champs feel since it's multi-day event, it's kind of like summer camp. You're here with the same people every, you see like kind of the same people every day, but you're also meeting a lot of brand new people. And we're all kind of crammed into this one spot, which is the Stratton Mountain Resort area. Um, so you get to like, yeah, you get to interact with people. You get to go visit all the different different restaurants. And yeah, you get to see people either A, you've only seen on Instagram or B, you just haven't seen them at a race in a long time. Like Corey said, it's just people that you don't get to interact with. So it's like, I guess it's like a much larger version of what we get at India Mud Run where it's the OCR community is actually there and alive and you get to inter finally interact with everyone. I mean, since we are talking about Tahoe and OCRWC together, having been to both, they both have this exact same kind of atmosphere where you are at a resort. You have everything that you could ever need right there in the resort area, the festival area, minus a grocery store. Do not expect to get groceries on either venue. Um, but you're going to be going to the restaurants. You are going to see people at the bars or, you know, at the little shops. Everywhere you turn, you're going to run into somebody. I mean, hell, you're going to run into Ryan and Lindsay, you know, walking Sunto right in the middle of the festival area. And they're going to stop and they're going to talk to you. It is just this giant getaway weekend where you are going to meet absolutely everybody. I've bet 
I've met the best of friends at both Obstacle Course Racing World Championships and at Tahoe. I mean, I spent the last two Tahoes, you know, hanging out with every, um, I've, I've spent the last two Tahoes hanging out with all of the pros at, you know, the Beat Elite house and then going out to the bars and, you know, we're taking shots with, um, you know, Killian off of his win with Faye and everybody else. But then you have random racers just walking up to you wanting to talk about how the race went, whether it's, oh, my gosh, I remember you from Instagram or, hey, you're this pro. This is, you know, you did so well. And you're going to get the exact same thing at Obstacle Course Racing World Championships. I remember in 2017, I flew out to Blue Mountain in Canada completely by myself. I didn't know anybody. I got there. I ran into somebody I knew. We were talking for a little bit. I went to the random house that I found on Facebook and I met some people who ironically are now really good friends of mine and I see at all of these races. And it turned into, you know, me meeting up with another person that I met at a race just once, hanging out with them for the entire night. And that's when I met, you know, Derek. And that's when I met all of the crew from Pennsylvania. Um, and then all of those friendships have carried over into so much greater. And it's all just because of that atmosphere. But having been to both Tahoe and OCRWC, I think what Charles was saying with this being that Indian mud run kind of feel only, you know, exponentially greater. That is what Tahoe is missing. Yeah, you're going to hug some strangers at Tahoe, but you're going to hug some strangers because you're freezing your ass off and you're about to be hypothermic. And if you don't get body heat from somebody else, you're not going to be able to survive. At OCRWC, you are going to be hugging strangers, crying on their shoulder. They're going to be bandaging up your hands. They're going to be giving you all of the tips you need to beat an obstacle. They're going to be cheering you on regardless of if they know you or not. Everybody wants to see each other succeed. While, yeah, you are technically their competition, they want you to overcome new obstacles that you've never seen before. One of my favorite, one of my uh, best friends in racing and my favorite friendly rivalry. And then now this year, my teammate, uh, Matt Polo, we met at NORAM in 2018. And the only reason we met is because I proudly posted that I came in dead last of the 100% completion of my age group. Like dead fucking last in uh, 100% completion. And the next day at the 15K start line, he's like, hey, you're the guy who didn't, you're the guy who came dead last and posted about it. And we kind of became friends and we raced that whole weekend against each other, but we were also like cheering each other through obstacles because at the time we were both not at the best skill set to like be doing North American champs because we had not seen obstacles like Val well, not Valkyrie, Legaff and uh, Skitch was that was its first year as well. And just a lot of the other obstacles on course, we weren't ready for them. So we were actually cheering each other through the 15K. And I've met a lot more friends. I mean, that's how I met you. That's how I became better friends with Derek as well, was through North American Champs. So it's just kind of, yeah, it's a really nice, like, natural feel. It's kind of what we've all really want out of uh, OCR instead of, like, kind of the stuff we get on social media. 100%. It's honestly this community family vibe that, you know, you don't know somebody, but instantly you're bonded. And you will get people pulling you in every single direction. 
But I think with this year in particular, what I'm most excited about is hearing all of the new people that are finally stepping up to OCRWC that have never had the opportunity before. I mean, I know people that they know that they're not going to keep their band and I applaud them for still coming out to race. They know that, you know, there's no journeyman this year. It's all age group. So they're going to step up and they're going to see what they can do. And um, I applaud them for taking that step. So what kind of tips can we give to people who might have never competed in a mandatory obstacle completion race before? I mean, you have all of these races that are switching to mandatory obstacle completion. But if you're an open racer, that still doesn't apply to you. So how can we go about helping them to be successful at these races? You have technically five races in three days. How do you maintain your longevity in those five days while still fighting for your all? I mean, it sounds ridiculous to say as a tip, but my thing is like with these obstacles, as someone who tried to run hard the first time I did North American Champs and never saw these type of obstacles before, go in with not like low expectations, but just kind of keep yourself on the level. And when you come across stuff that's going to be difficult, like Legaff is difficult for some people. They've never done stuff like that. So don't be super upset and beat yourself up and stay stay at the obstacle for too long if you can't get Legaff. So this, if this is your first time there, this is a massive learning experience. And you should definitely embrace that some of these obstacles you might not get. And it's definitely not worth sticking around to potentially injure yourself and like injure yourself on the 3k and not be able to do the 15k or even injure yourself on the 15k and not be able to do the team relay um that's my main thing that and just have fun i mean the amount of people who are going to be on course for this and that being their first time just have a blast 100 percent. but i mean we've all seen it you get to the 3k and you have a three hour time cut off for that 3k i've seen so many people standing at urban sky with their hands completely bloody, ripped up, and they're bawling their eyes out. You're bandaging them up. And you're like, why are you doing this to yourself? You have a 15K tomorrow. You have a team relay tomorrow. Corey, you've been running mandatory obstacle completion races now for a while. And not to say that you have to actually worry about retries. But as a coach, what do you tell people who might need to retry obstacles? How long do you stand there retrying? How many attempts do you give? And what kind of mentality can you coach them through to be able to either beat an obstacle or move on? Um, I don't know. I mean, so with me, it literally, I mean, obviously it changes for per, per person, right? So someone get the first time, just all that build up, that adrenaline, they, they run through knowing they can get it, but they run through too fast. So they have to come back the second time um, to try to slow themselves down. Um, those who kind of come up to it, not really with the experience of it. You literally just need to, I mean, like I've, I've been hearing people before, you just need to run your race, but realize there's, like you said, five other races after this. Um, so if you're, for example, coming across uh, what is the LCD and you can't, you know, shimmy your way across because your hands are starting to get too sore, things like that. Honestly, you just got to just bite the bullet um, in all honesty. Like we know it, it's going to suck because you want to have that, keep that band there. But if you've never seen this obstacle before, um, but you're at least attempting it, that alone is kind of enough to what most people can say is that, hey, you know, I at least attempted it, I made it halfway, but I, I 
know this is going to be a long weekend. Um, if you start getting to a point where you're starting to see like slight tears, things like that, you just need to stop there. Uh, don't even try to continue because there's you're going to rip it. I mean, that's all there is to it. Um, so it's really just, I mean, if you have to step off for a little bit, shake your arms out, that's fine. Watch other people. Um, I mean, it, it literally just kind of comes down to, I mean, at some point you'll see and you're like, yo, you need to keep going. Like, just bite this one. Who cares? You're here to have fun. It's the experience. You'll get it next year, whatever it may be. But there's just, there's definitely that fine line there between being stubborn and realizing there's this still a full weekend. Yeah, no, I just go for straight stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> I've never ripped my hands at the 3K and I've actually finished pretty well in the 3K every year. So I'm personally not worried about the 3K for myself. It's usually the 15K where I get a little too stubborn, but it's not ever a ripped hand situation or most often it isn't. That's an Indian mud run thing. But um, definitely have a strategy going in. If you are coming up to an obstacle, I always tell my clients, give it three attempts. If after that third attempt, you are not seeing progress each time, give up your band and go because it is a long weekend and you have to be able to survive for whatever your main goal is. But also decide what your A race is on the weekend, what is most important for you. I know, Corey, you're right now running the 3K in the team. So you know you can get through the 3K and then you can you're going to be completely fine for the team. Charles, I know you're not stressing the 15K as much as 3K and team as well. So for both of you, that can give you a little bit more time to shake off your arms, cool down, recover. But there are people like myself who are going in there planning for every single race. And I know I have to be a little bit more um, grounded onto that 15K to make sure that I can make it to the team race the next day. Yeah, especially the team race. That's let's 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 get that out of the way there. But yeah, I mean, I, so like so Charles is doing it because he wants. You know, I think he said basically he wants the medals. Like he he wants the experience of it. I opted not to do the 15k just because I'm now trying to focus on more of the short, faster, speedier courses, more towards that ninja style stuff. And um, that's just because where I do it better at. But with the 15k, like. I've got a bunch of teammates going. I've got friends going. So I would rather just be out on the course, giving those hints and those tips and those tricks, you know, doing my race that way for everybody else. Um, but then also allowing me to be ready for what, the hundred and, you know, the team race afterwards. And that is actually a really good point. Um, if people aren't doing like the 15K and stuff, it is a really good idea if this is your first time being there is to go spectate up later on in the course. Uh, Volunteer. They need more volunteers. Volunteer as well. Yeah, big thing. Man, I've been pushing. I've, I've suggested Adrian several times to do like quarter shifts so racers can get actually get out there and volunteer for at least four four hours of our day instead of six or however long the shifts are now. But uh, yeah, if you have open time, go volunteer. Uh, if you just want to be a spectator, ride the gondola up to the top and see the obstacles up there. Because you can, you can give tips to people. OCRWC is great where they encourage people to walk the course, go, you know, find the obstacles, stand there, cheer people on. This 
race in particular thrives off of that spectator um, environment. They want you to be able to see what everybody is doing because those spectators are so uplifting and it can change the course of somebody's race. Um, I mean, you'll, you'll get the same with Spartan. Being at Tahoe, you can still ride the gondola up to the top within reason. In 2019, they did have to shut the gondola down to spectators because they were shuttling off so many athletes for medical that they ended up saying no spectators up to the top of the mountain because they were getting too many spectators taking up rooms within the gondolas when they needed it for their athletes. But when you're in the festival area in Tahoe, you still can see a good amount of the obstacles. You can go around to the couple down there and you can still spectate and cheer people on. Um, But OCRWC in particular is the best race you'll ever get for spectator engagement and involvement. So live it up. You know, if you've got a camera, take out your camera and just start taking pictures of random people because everybody is going to love seeing those. Um, just spend them, make the most of the day out on course. And then also a tip for if anybody is listening to this, I haven't thought about it. If you're not signed up for the team race, the team relay for that adventure Noram and OCR World Champs does is definitely the only format we have in competition right now. And it's definitely, I think, honestly, I think it's probably my favorite race format. And if you haven't signed up for a team and you are trying to get on one, there are going to be people out there who are trying to A, either put together a team or B, they have to find a replacement. Yeah, it's going to be mostly people dropping. A lot of people drop out of the team relay. I have seen every year, both years at Stratton, like people like with either someone at the sign or they're just asking you on like, do you guys need someone? Do you guys need someone? Like just asking teams walking up. And if you can get on a team, I highly recommend it. Team Relay is probably my favorite event of the whole weekend. So much fun. I just wish it wasn't once we were all depleted and torn up. You know they do that on purpose. (laughs) They They want us to be completely destroyed for that. They want us to be. They want our hamstrings to be just dead from climbing the mountain. They want us to be just oh, like just completely depleted, especially on that speed section. And then the poor technical guys, because they they put the technical through everything. Like the technical runs almost as technical has it. I think the same distance that speed runs. Like. And this year, everybody is going to be climbing, regardless of what leg you are. You have part of the mountain that you have to climb up. The climb for strength in 2019 was, they went almost as far up as uh, Speed did on the uh, the second carry. They disappeared up into the haze. <laughs> they just eventually like, was gone. Oh, Maddie, I hope you're prepared. <laughs> That's going to be really interesting because, our, yeah. My team and your team are facing off against each other in the mixed gender <laughs> relay. That's going to be a fun one. Oh, I, I um, thought you were in um, male, so don't let me see you on the mountain. I'll be pushing you straight downhill. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not like that. I'm in the slot where I could possibly either be on speed or strength, depending on whatever the obstacle shakeout is. If it comes down to our tech person, I have full faith in them. Me too. Don't let me mine. down, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? <laughs> We we just need to worry about Maddie. Like we. Oh boy, <laughs> I hope he doesn't hear. I think the, the I think it's just gonna be those hills that are gonna eat everybody up. I mean, especially with us all doing it at the same time, just to come in and finish all together. I mean, everyone's gonna be worn out by that point. It's always interesting because I mean I've been part of the speed second 
watch the speedrunners come down and once they hand off their wristband just they just go because <laughs> they gave everything yeah Corey's gonna be catching me as i come flying down a mountain if i need to be that barrier i will oh sorry I was like, we don't know anything about the uh the team though either just like the hunter right we don't really know where it's gonna be ran at how they're gonna do the segments it's kind of just in a block like the hundred isn't it I'm trying to remember when they've released the team relay map, and I always feel like it's within the like the the start of the weekend. Now that I think about it, I I do recall in London when Chrissy, Derek, and I got to Calvin and Hatch. The first thing we did was run to the map section to take a look at the team relay because they didn't post the team relay online; they only had it in the festival area. Um, and that's when we were, like, strategizing. That'll be interesting to strategize at that point, because I think 2018 Noram, we didn't see it until Saturday. I don't know, though. I'm super excited for that. I'm super excited for this whole weekend. I've been waiting on this since 2019 when they announced it. I always love OCRWC. I was so disappointed that I had to sit out 2019, but, like, this is one race weekend I never want to skip out on. It is by far the best race weekend of the year. I've missed it every year, either because A, I couldn't qualify, or B, terrible scheduling on my part. So I've yet... Well, they have journeymen. You could have always run journeymen. Come on, we're all, I, was an, I'm, I want to qualify and earn it type deal. I mean, I don't think it's that hard to qualify for OCRWC. You just got to make the decision on if you want to run pro or um, age group. And honestly, the only reason why I'm running age group this year is because I signed up for age group before... They took qualifications away. Um, I know all three of us have actually qualified for the pro division, correct? Yeah. Yep. Even though I, I would have no business being a pro. Oh, same here. That's why I'm saying that the only reason I'm running age group is because I signed up for it. I would only run pro because I think I, I want to always hold myself to the higher standard. And I like the fact that I qualified for pro. And that that is the only heat of the weekend that needs qualification. But I, I do think it's really awesome the amount of people that are stepping up into the age group heats this year, um, because in part thinking they could never have qualified for this before. They want to get the experience behind it. I think this is a huge stepping stone for our sport. And hopefully this is now going to convince more people to race local train their ass off for this sport like it's a serious sport um, and just continue to boost the sport as a whole. Uh, part of me is like a little salty. It is open to everyone, but yeah, it definitely gives everyone the chance to, I mean, try stuff they haven't done before. Um, so that is like one positive I am taking out of it. Definitely. And Stratton's just a beautiful resort. Make sure if you're heading up from, uh, actually make sure if you're anywhere, get some apple cider donuts. Try to find some maple lattes in the area. I mean, you're in Vermont. It's not going to be too hard. Make sure you get apple cider donuts. And yeah, apples are kind of our thing out here in New England. So just do it. Well, at least coming from Boston, you pretty much have to drive through Route 2. And we have the home of Johnny Appleseed out here in Lemonster. So stop in, pick up some apples. We should mention to anybody who's never ran out at OCRWC before, there is one extra little hidden gem that comes along with OCRWC and NORAM, and that is RecBag. At this point, most people are familiar what RecBag is, what Rec Fitness is. It is a, it's a sandbag alternative, but it's filled with like rubber mulch and that kind of stuff. Um, 
rec bag comes up with their weight every year and you run up and down the mountain carrying your rec bags. But then at the end of the race weekend, they actually sell those off for like wicked cheap. So on Sunday morning, you can go, you can pay like 50 bucks or something and you can take away a 50 pound rec bag once the charity race is over. So it is first come first serve. But if you are driving to Stratton, this is a steal. I think I bought two of them last time. I also held on to one for another friend. Um, if you can wait around till the end of the charity race and you can um, pay the money and f- figure out the transportation for it, definitely pick yourself up a rec bag. You're saving yourself. I think I bought mine and it was about 150 bucks with shipping included. So you're, yeah, you're, you're saving. You could buy three of them if you really wanted to for that cost. Like it's, it's definitely worth it. I would, I might consider picking up another one because I have a 50 pounder and at this point it's not a lot. And I would like to have it possibly for like putting together some form of home sled pull of some sort just to have like more than 50 pounds of weight. But yeah, it's definitely a steal. Um, And it's always something I kind of forget about. Also, the other thing to think about uh, force five is there and they usually are selling off a lot of their grips and attachments in this festival area. Um, Force five will be there. Race Ready will be there as well. I'm sure they're bringing stuff to sell. Yeah. Um, So you do have a good chance to buy grips that maybe you just couldn't get during the race. And now you'll be able to buy them there. If not, they'll be able to put them in the order and ship them to you as well. Awesome. Guys, anything else you're looking forward to on this weekend? Probably my nutrition coach telling me to actually eat. That's another big thing, Um, like you mentioned earlier. If you need to get stuff, get it while you're outside of the mountain because you're not going to be able to pay or find anything close by or relatively cheap. <laughs> so, Oh, and they, they only have a couple different dining options on within the venue and the festival area. So those like two, three restaurants are always going to be packed. Um, you're going to have a serious wait. Just pick up groceries and cook for yourself. And yeah, if you, you got to eat for these races. That, that's what Corey was leaning towards. We're getting on him pretty hard for not taking his nutrition seriously. One final tip I do, I just remembered. Uh, if you're running the 15K and you're thinking about not bringing water on course, bring water on course. Bring water. <laughs> yeah, I made that mistake in 2018. If you think you're going to get stuck at obstacles on the 3K and you want to fight for your band, bring water on course. I remember seeing a lot of people in their camelbacks on that 3k and we all look at each other like why and then we sit and watch them at the same obstacle for two hours you are not going to be able to backtrack to get water bring your fuel bring your hydration oh yeah we cannot forget that this is at a ski resort uh they're on ski slopes so you're going to be in the sun a good amount of the time and that sun does hit and hey it should go without saying if you're running tahoe bring your nutrition bring your hydration That's another race that you're going to be out all day. Bring a dry bag. And bleg mitts. Oh my gosh. Bring bleg mitts if you're running Tahoe. Hell, I think I might bring my bleg mitts to OCRWC just in case. Not a bad idea. Especially how cold it's going to be in the mornings. We're looking at about mid 40s, getting up to the mid 60s each day. And here... And here, Fatty Maddie is trying to get us to change our team name to something about being shirtless. Oh, I'm still going to be shirtless. I don't care if it's 30 degrees outside. I'm still going to run the course shirtless, but it's 
the, the point is make sure you bring your equipment, your gear, your food, your water, your nutrition, everything you need with you on the course, just in case. That's <laughs> saying I'm not running shirtless. Maddie wants us to have a team name about being shirtless. I'm not going to be shirtless. And we do have to match, right? So. Well, that's what we got headbands for. That works too, I guess. Guys, I am so excited. I have waited far too long for this race. Oh, yeah. It's been technically two years in the making because they announced OCR World Champs in Stratton, what, September 2019, something like that? <laughs> Just after Noram happened? And hey, for anybody listening, we are going to be up there. We are going to bring equipment. Like, come talk to us about your experience. We want to hear about it. We want to be able to put together a solid episode about what you went through in the last, you know, races. So definitely find us, talk to us, and share a little bit about what your experiences have been. Okay. Anything else, Corey? Do you have anything you want to add? Nope, I'm good. You need to be not so shy. Just talk. Yeah, we're gonna. This isn't my. I know. <laughs> we'll get you. We'll get you a topic that you can that you can chat away on. Yeah. Probably. I mean, probably. Probably OCR World Champs debrief. Yeah. No. I. I. We are going to sit there and we are going to record an episode at OCRWC. I don't know if I'll have time. I'll have time. <laughs> I don't know if I will either with how popular I am nowadays, it seems like. Was... Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're on, a you're on a podcast now. so I know, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> He's got like 780 followers now. Well, guys, I guess it's time for us to go start our taper and get packing and get our asses up to Stratton. I am so excited to see you guys up there and to see you kick ass out on course. Oh yeah. I've been waiting on this and it's definitely the highlight of even though I have World Stuff with Smarter coming up later in the year, this is definitely in terms of obstacle racing, this is my highlight of the year. So I'm I'm super excited to like get out there and see the whole community. Yeah, uh, yeah, I definitely agree. Like I said, being the first time there, it's it I'm just ready for the experience, just the obstacles, the technical aspect behind it all. And just being able to experience everything that I've kind of dabbled in this year with other obstacles. So, so well, Corey, where can people find you since they now officially know who you are? Um, I mean, I've got Instagram and ironically enough, it's Ironman.OCR. Um, once you take a look, you'll see why. Uh, but you also see me at the venue with an Ironman helmet. So if anybody needs water, food, nutrition, whatever it may be, find the guy walking around in the Ironman helmet. And uh, you can find me in the same place as always on Instagram at sabertooth underscore OCR. That is S-A-B-R-E-T-O-O-T-H underscore OCR. You know, I think we should get you like a Sabertooth helmet so people can start like putting a face to a name. Dude, yes. Get you like yes. big Sabertooths. Oh my God. No, I have a Star Lord <laughs> helmet. We can, <laughs> we can find like an old school comic because like the original saber tooth is like a hairy looking thing we can find like an eat or like a uh who's the uh oh the star wars dude the little burly dude what's his name chewbacca the chewbacca, chewbacca. <laughs> yeah we can find chewbacca mask and just add teeth to it if we need to amazing oh now you guys are nerding out so we really should sign off well my name is Megan. I am Meggie B A T C on Instagram. I am the OCR trainer on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. I also do online coaching. My website is, you guessed it, theocrtrainer.com. We are Middle of the Pack Podcast. 
We are on Instagram and Facebook. We do not actually use our Twitter, so I don't even want to remember what it is right now. You can find us on all of your podcasting apps, your Apple, your Spotify, wherever else you may listen. But you're listening now, so obviously you found us. Uh, make sure to give us a rating, a share, a review. We appreciate you listening in this week. Again, we are Middle of the Pack Podcast. We will see you guys out in Stratton. But hey, if you are running Tahoe, good luck as well. We can't wait to hear about it. And hey, good luck to those toughest mutters up in Seattle. And hey, even Savage is having a race this weekend. So good luck all around.